0: I recognize that this is going to be an unpopular opinion because I've waited to see if anyone else saw what my husband and I saw when we were watching The Last of Us. Actually, the episode that caused us to stop watching The Last of Us. And that was the queer episode. That apparently everyone but us is okay with? And we found extremely problematic... To the point where we stopped watching the show. So yeah, let's talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. I have something to say. is Charlie, and I am a non-binary sci-fi fantasy writer. And uh, so right off the bat, I have to say that this will contain spoilers for that one episode of The Last of Us, and will touch on very sensitive topics such as self-harm and consent and, uh, well the unaliving of oneself. So if those topics are hard for you, this may not be the episode for you. And I'm sorry, and we'll get to other content later. (sighs) Okay. So I have been shocked at the way that this episode of The Last of Us was received. Mainly because it felt to both my husband and i as one of the most toxically trope-filled episodes of modern television that we have ever seen that it did not treat its queer characters well and that it just was upsetting and offensive in so many ways and I have to say right up from the gate, I have not played the game. I have talked to several people who have and they assure me that at least one of these characters is still alive in the game and that they did not do this. That this particular series of events is something peculiar to the show and not the game. If that's true, great. But... I have not played the game. I'm not going to be talking about the game. I am just talking about this show and how it treated these characters. Okay, so the tropes. The, the first one that really upset me, and I am really tired of is the idea of, well, that person can't be gay. They obviously are not gay because they're conservative. Like, all queer people are a monolith. And it really plays off of this early on in that we meet Nick Offerman's survivalist MAGA character and... We are led to believe that they are, of course, straight because he's a MAGA survivalist. And while well, I would like to say that all queer people are enlightened and wise and filled with wisdom and light, that's not true. This idea that we are supposed to be surprised that his character is queer because they are conservative means that the showrunners and the writers are assuming that the audience is so homophobic that they believe that all queer people are, in fact, a monolith, and that this deviation from that monolith is somehow surprising that a queer person would want to be a hunter, that a queer person would be conservative, would not be fashion-forward, would not be fit-and-trim, all of those things and it's tiresome and uh, I'm just over it but that's not where my problems with this character and this characterization end Nick Offerman's character in this episode feeds into a lot of other problematic tropes for the queer community in that he is closeted because he is conservative, which can be the case and often is the case, though not always. In fact, I know several conservative out queer characters that are much more like this character than different, so that didn't need to happen. There's a weird sense of body shaming with him that feeds into this idea that all gay men are gym bunnies, that all gay men are going to the gym constantly, that they are obsessed with their own physical fitness, that they are doing everything in their power to be thin and svelte and Attractive to the opposite sex. (laughs) Oh, wait, what did I say there? The opposite sex? But aren't they supposed to be same-sex attracted? Yes! First of all, the character is very obviously someone who would fit nicely into the bear community and would have what would be seen as a desirable male body to a sizable contingent of queer men. So the strange body shaming that exists there is odd that he would not know that it's possible that he doesn't. But again, gay male body shaming is such a prevalent problem within the community that it goes unremarked is problematic. The idea that a queer person would be ashamed of their body is not out of the ordinary, and I'm not trying to say that it is, but for a show like this to present a very attractive character who, again, would clearly fit into the mold of a bear and have them not understand that that is a trope of male attractiveness to other queer men, just it bothers me a lot i know they play off the idea that he is apparently the 40 year old virgin of gay men and we'll talk about that in the next segment but it seems very unrealistic that in the age of the internet in the age of just queer culture being what it is that he would not know that there is a subset of people that would find his body type appealing. Now, that may mean that he doesn't find his own body type appealing, and thus has some sort of repulsion or problem with that. That is possible, and it is something that they could have explored in the series, but it's not. His body is presented as something only for sex and hunting and providing, which falls into a lot of the toxic stereotypes that are associated with masculinity in heterosexual relationships and that's the biggest problem that I had with him is he seemed to be written a lot more like a an insult who was trying to attract females without an understanding of what that means and while I'm sure it is possible to be of in, involuntarily celibate and queer, especially if you are a conservative who is hiding and masking who they truly are the focus on body issues without any sense that his understanding of his body is wrong, that he should find some solace in knowing that he does have an attractive body and not merely be the consolation prize at the end of the world for a character that we'll talk about again in the next segment. It it, I, it really bothers me and I wish that they had handled this better. This isn't my biggest issue with the show, by far. It's just one that when you're dealing with a community that has a lot of serious body issues, in infor- reinforcing them like this in a, the way that this show does is problematic and something that they should have taken into consideration when making this episode. The third trope is to me where I first checked out of the series, and that is the predatory nature of his partner. Their relationship is going to be fraught from the get-go because this is the end of the world. They're living through a weird zombie apocalypse thing, and the idea that they had that he had run into another gay man in the middle of the End of the world, okay, yeah, their relationship's going to be fraught. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. But the predatory nature of how their relationship begins and having that not be commented on and have it be a recurrent theme in the episode where he surmises that the gentleman who made him dinner is queer because... He knows how to pair wine with meat. And obviously only queer people can do that. So he must be queer. Oh, and he has a piano. And then what felt to both my husband and I as a very non-consensual kiss at the piano. And then ordering him to take a bath so that they could have sex... And that line of, you know, I am not a whore. I'm not a prostitute. If I do this, I'm staying. No, honey, sweetie, you, you are. You are basically dominating this man and telling him that if I give you this thing that you have desired for a very long time, you are going to let me stay here and provide for me. That is predatory that is selling your sexual services for room and board and it is not a romantic gesture on your part the dialogue is very clunky in this scene and the sex feels very forced and not even in the way that the actors did not play it well I mean it feels forced as in he basically tells this stranger tonight I'm having sex with you and you're going to give me a place to live and food or i'm not having sex with you um yeah that that's blackmail that's sexual blackmail and that's not cool that that's not 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 good maybe don't do that and when i've talked to a couple people about this and they thought said i was making too much out of this Later in the episode, in some of the few interactions that we see of them, he continues this predatory relationship by basically saying, look, you're going to give me what I want, or I'm leaving you. Their relationship is never played off as romantic. It is never played off as equal-footed. It is a domineering, predatory male who comes into this place, finds an innocent queer man that he can take advantage of to have safety food and security in the middle of a zombie outbreak in exchange for sexual favors. That's how the relationship is played out on screen. And I don't see any other way to read it. He does not care at all about his partner's interests. He does not care about his partner's beliefs or attitudes he is constantly imposing his own and using the threat of abandonment and the loss of a sexual relationship as a means of control. The, the, their relationship is extremely toxic in every instance that we get to see of it. He forces them into using some of their scant resources to better up the town so that he can live his best gay life inside the compound which is ridiculous and then again blackmails his partner into having guests over because he wants to have a fabulous queer dinner party even though that's not what his partner wants at all and there's no discussion about it it's either my way or I leave my way or the highway what do you want do you can want me to continue to give you the sex and the relationship or are you going to have me leave that's that's not healthy at all and i don't see how other people don't see that Trope four is the most harmful one in this entire episode. And the fact that I have seen it so celebrated is upsetting. We see a toxic queer relationship that is based on a non-consensual consensual sexual encounter that is turned into a domineering relationship throughout the course of the episode that then ends with this idea that self-harm and unaliving is romantic and I, I can't with that I, I can't with that the queer community has a huge problem with uh, self-harm and the ending of one's life because of the systematic oppression and homophobia and transphobia that exists in the wider community and to make ending life romantic is extremely problematic like this is somebody who did not understand that Romeo and Juliet was a tragedy not a romance this is someone who is still like riding that sex pistol wave and thinking that an abusive relationship that ends in murder and self-unaliving is romantic and that's the Sid and Nancy story if you're not familiar with it Sid Vicious abused his girlfriend for an extremely long time and then ended both of their lives and no, this is not a romantic thing this is not a romantic trope this is, there is nothing romantic about this idea of I am willing to unalive myself for you And in a community that has serious issues with self-harm, to propagate a story like that is not an appropriate way to tell a story. It really isn't. And I keep going back to appropriate because I'm not saying that the episode should be banned. And if you're able to get past all this and still enjoy the show, more power to you. But there's there's a certain thing that you have to do if you want kudos for including queer representation that you need to get over before I give you kudos and saying that two queer characters that are in a, an extremely toxic relationship where the victim of that toxic relationship willingly ends his own life because he can't stand losing the dominating member of that relationship is not it that that's not it that's not the way to go with this and again i keep saying it over and over again i don't understand why my husband and i are the only two people that i have seen talking about this I, I've watched a lot of reviews of this episode. I've watched a lot of commentary on this episode. I've seen a lot of very positive comments about it. And no, it's not romantic at all. There's nothing romantic about this. It's it's Sid and Nancy all over again. It's Romeo and Juliet all over again. It's a tragedy. And if it were played off as a tragedy, then okay. I I would probably have accepted this episode better but that lingering shot out of the window at the end of the episode which, oh, we're going to be talking about that in the next segment reframes everything that happened before it as wasn't it romantic, wasn't it sweet that they had this toxic relationship together that ended in mutual unaliving and That is not what I saw as an episode, as you can clearly tell by my uh, description of it. And maybe if it were framed as a tragedy, if it were framed in the dark light that the storyline requires... I probably would not be here talking about how I did not like this episode and probably talking about how I do enjoy the show because I was enjoying the show until this episode and I have not been able to watch it since because every time I think about it I get mad and I get angry and I just have to stop and the last trope that to me if it was the only sin of this episode I, i would be livid i would be angry i would still talk about how bad this episode was but i might have been able to get past it maybe maybe i was able to do it with buffy the vampire slayer and so many other shows and that's this idea of we've introduced these queer characters here they are in their very special episode they're dead now And not only that they're dead, not only that they were summarily executed in a way that uh, was just not cute in any way, shape, or form, but that their death was somehow beneficial for the cis straight people in their lives. No. No 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 because that that's the straw that breaks the camel's back it's one thing to just do the straight up bury your gaze trope which is a trope that just needs to go away i'm not saying that all queer characters need to be immortal but you know when you only introduce a character to kill them off and you introduce them and kill them off in the same episode it would be one thing if the events of this story were broken up over the I think three episodes it took to get here but it would still feel a little barrier gaze at that point but they would have at least been more than a footnote in the story They exist These queer characters exist Their queer relationship, as toxic as it is, exists solely to be of benefit to the cis straight characters that are in the story that's it and I don't want to hear about well this character turns out to be bi or queer or whatever later on in the story that 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 won't make it better that won't make it better see our protagonists who play very little role in this actual episode because it's kind of a bottle episode about the very special story about how romantic it is to unalive yourself only really show up to show what a benefit queer people can be to them. And we should exist in our own right? Like, there's so much tokenism in the way that these characters are written and presented in the story that, again, I do not understand how queer audiences are okay with this show. And, yeah, I may be over reading it but not really so what why else do they exist their their love story is tragic and abusive and problematic in so many ways which we've already talked about so there's that Um, and in dying they were able to give all of the things that our protagonists needed to continue their quest so yeah what other point did they what, what other point did their suffering serve in the story beyond just making the life of the cis characters better nothing nothing they, they, they again like I said their relationship in and of itself was toxic And yeah, it might be fun to see representation, but that representation has to be good. They're characters that are created and buried for the benefit of the straight cis characters, so that they now have a vehicle, they now have armaments, they have all of this equipment that will now be able to help them further their lives and their adventures. And oh, isn't it sad? Let's look out the window. Oh, without taking a look at the beautiful, beautiful corpses on the bed who have died in each other's arms because toxic love is toxic? Really? Really? Is that that, that what we're doing here? Because that just doesn't sound healthy, and I don't like it. But yeah, that that's what we got for a show. And... Again, I don't understand why other people don't see this at all. In the end, and I feel like a broken record with this, but I don't understand why this show got away with this. I really don't is it because of Nick Offerman? Pedro Pascal? What wh- why? Why if any other show had combined all of these trips together and put it out, it would have created an uproar. And rightly so, these are extremely toxic ways of viewing and telling stories about the queer community and this show got away with it it's not surprising that straight audiences would not have a problem with this episode because it's back Mountain in the zombie apocalypse basically, which is also a toxic story that is not good for queer people, but hmm. I don't see why queer creators are talking about this episode in a positive light because yeah, Brokeback Mountain may have had an effect on how cis straight audiences viewed queer people, but that does not change it from being a toxic story about a toxic relationship that in the end is not a good movie and again we're seeing it here where this broke back button with zombies episode of the last of us is just given a pass because was it acted well yes it was well acted was it beautiful in its cinematography yes it was filmed quite well Does it advance the story of The Last of Us? Yes, because their death is useful to the main characters in a way that their living would not have been. But that does not make it a good episode of the show. In fact, if this were done in any other series, regardless of the toxic tropes, it would have been seen as a filler episode. Because it does distract from the main plot of the show. And not only does it distract from the main plot of the show, but it does so in order to tell this really bad story about a toxic queer relationship that ends horribly. It's this weird little side story that takes us down this road where we get to see the tragedy of being queer. And now let's go back to the straits. And again, I I don't care if any of the characters turn out to be queer later. I know there's something about the girl that caused controversy in the games, and I don't remember what it was, and I don't... I don't care. Frankly. Because that's not how you redeem a plotline like this. Like, it could turn out that Pedro Pascal's character is secretly bi, and that the girl is, like super lesbian or transgender or something and yay okay fine but this episode in and of itself is bad and it needs to be called out as bad for the reasons that I've laid out here and it's not that I'm unwilling to discuss this i have like i said i've watched so many reviews of this episode and so many commentary videos on this episode trying to figure out how i'm seeing it wrong and they're all just like oh so mutual unaliving is romantic and no (laughs) no it's not it never has been and it never will be and please please make it stop please make it stop Alrighty, I hope that this episode is not how I end my career, but I just had to say something. I kept waiting and waiting, because I was like, surely someone will see it. I can't be the only one, and I don't think I'm the only one. I'm probably in the minority here, because people are willing to forgive a lot for representation, but... This was, this was too much for me to let pass. So on that note, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find more at ProjectShadow.com, including my new book, The Shadow Phoenix Saga, which is being serialized over there. Book Zero Raid is currently coming out. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.